0: So let's pray together and we'll just get right into it. Father, we're, set, we're so thankful and so grateful tonight for the privilege of coming to the Word to look to it for life, to look to it for light, enlightenment. We thank you, Lord, that the entrance of your Word does give light. And we know that faith begins where the will of God is known. So Father God, tonight we choose to look to the Word and to begin to examine some very important scriptures that have the ability to change our lives, that have the ability to uh, produce faith in us for supernatural results. And I do thank you and I praise you and I honor you for what you will say through your servant tonight and from your word as we receive it, we just give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Um, Most healings that occur in a local church setting, when it's just normal, regular services, now I'm not talking about uh, maybe a great revival or some kind of series of meetings that are special emphasis meetings, I'm just talking about week by week by week, church family gathering and doing church. Most of the healings that will be received will have a lot to do with... How much of the Word of God is in your heart? And just as important in a sense of speaking, how much of the Word of God's coming out of your own mouth? A lot of people look to other people to get it for them. A lot of people, one of the reasons why that many times healing evangelists and healing meetings are so well attended and create such a stir. And I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm just saying one of the reasons that happens is because many people seem to uh, want to, to somebody else to just do it for them, somebody else to get it for them. And for most of us, that's not how it's going to come. If you've been saved for very long, you're not a baby anymore. You're supposed to move from the milk to the meat of the word. And your faith is supposed to grow, you know, exceedingly growing faith. That exceeding growing faith—that's a that's a that's a biblical pattern, uh, and it grows by feeding it on the Word of God and exercising it. Amen. And so uh, we want to just dig into these scriptures. These are these are key scriptures that have sustained me for many years. I stake my life on these scriptures, my health on these scriptures. It uh, doesn't mean I, I, I wouldn't, I, you know. I, I, I visit the doctor, I get checkups, uh, those kind of things. Uh, wh- if I need something done, I get it done or whatever. But uh, these are these are the things that sustain me. These verses that we're going to share. So the first one on our list, and if you're familiar with uh, the the scripture uh, confessions, uh, healing scriptures, then you'll be familiar with this. is found in Proverbs chapter four. Verses 20 through 22. So there are three verses here. And let's read them. And I'd like to ask you, if you will, to read them out loud with me. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them. And health to all their flesh. Now notice that this is addressed to a child, my son. We know this would apply to the daughters as well. So when you read this verse, you quote this verse, my encouragement to you would be that you would always remember that this is God talking to you as one of his children. This is like a good parent giving some great advice and some great instructions to a child that they love and want to see succeed. My son, attend to my words. Now, that means that we have to put in some effort. It means that it's not accidental, coincidental. It doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen automatically. It's only going to happen if you make it happen. There are so many things in life that are that way, you know. Uh, People are waiting on a ship to come in. They never sent one out. Uh, they're waiting on God to do this, that, and the other. And many times they're, they say they're waiting on God, and really God's already done something about it. And they just don't realize it. They don't know how to take advantage of it. All kinds of ways that people are passive, inactive. Well, if it's the Lord's will, if this is what He wants, then that's what it'll be. But, you know, we just, we, and then they go on many times to say, you know, you just don't know. You don't know what the Lord was going to do or whatever. You know, but how many of you know you can know what the Lord's going to do? It's absolutely something that is available to us to know the will of God because it's right here in His Word. God's Word is His will. So any kind of information that is contrary to the Word, that would be contradictory to the Word, or in opposition to the Word, it can't be God's will. Now that's what you're going to hear in the world a lot. It's information that's contrary to the word and in opposition to the word. But it never is the will of God for anything to occur that he would already have said what his will is. For it to be the opposite of that, that's not ever going to happen. That's not going to ever be the will of God that the the opposite of his word would be be what he wants. For instance, uh, have you ever noticed when you read the four gospels that never, ever, not one time, and you'd think of all the thousands of people that Jesus ministered to, all of the thousands of people, because the Bible speaks of multitudes, and if you look up that word, that's not just a couple hundred people. The, you know, We're talking about thousands of people that would have heard Jesus minister. Don't you think that if there would have been at least one person, that it wasn't God's will to heal, that you would have heard about that in the word? That somewhere, somehow, Jesus would have told somebody, it's, It's just not God's will to heal you. Just keep your sickness. Keep your disease. Or go ahead and make your preparations. You're going to die because God's not going to heal you. You know, you can't find that anywhere in the Bible. But yet people seem to struggle with that issue. Is it the will of God? And and, and when people struggle with that issue, it's because they don't, either they're not feeding on the word or they don't understand the word. They're not receiving the teaching they need for the word. So we need to attend to his words because that's the source of our faith. That's where life is. He says, attend to my words. So that means attend to the word before other things. If I met you on the street tomorrow and, and, and we wanted to, you know, we both maybe would want to visit a little while, but you told me, you said, you know, pastor, I'd like to talk to you, but I really have an appointment. I can't be late. I've got to go. I've, I've just got time to get there. I'll talk to you later. Well, I'm not going to be offended about that. But what I'm going to realize is that there's something else you've got to attend to. And that's the way we've got to prioritize God's word. We've got to prioritize the word of God that this is something we must attend to. Today, I mailed out my light bill. And I mailed out my water bill. And how many of you know, you must attend to those kind of things or you'll be sitting in the dark and there'll be no water running. There are some things you just have to attend to. And so we've got to put God's word in that kind of a classification, at least. It's got to be that relevant to us and that important to us. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear, turn your ear... To my sayings. So sayings, that's what God has said. So we find that in the word. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Now I'm sure that he wasn't talking about that we go around with written words on paper or a stone or whatever. And we just put it in front of our eyes and we, all, we do our whole life and do all of our work and drive and everything else with, with the, these words printed right in front of us. Number one, they didn't have a printed page in those days at all, most people would, uh, uh, let me say it this way, many people, if not most people, would not have even been able to read. Uh, In that culture, in that day, uh, most all women were never taught to read. Um, Many uh, people would not have known how to read, so it wasn't an issue. And, And certainly, people didn't have what we call the Bible in their homes. They would have to go to the synagogue to hear it read. And then, of course, in a Jewish boy's education, he would have been educated in such a way that he would have basically memorized most all of the New Test- Old Testament, I mean, not the New Testament, the Old Testament. And so there would have been a great memorization there. And so these boys would grow up to be men, and in their homes they would be responsible then, of course, for declaring the Word of God in their homes and that kind of thing. But my whole point in going through that is to tell you this. To keep it in front of your eyes would have to be something that happens basically inside. So I like to say it like this. What do you see when your eyes are closed? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself healed? Do you see yourself with what the Word says? Or do you see yourself sick? Do you see yourself as, as suffering? Do you see yourself dying soon or dying early? How, what do you see? Because what you're seeing is what you're going to be having. Right. Well, thank you for all that enthusiasm. <laughs> from all these faith folks here. But, but if you don't see it, you're, you're not going to have it. You know, if, if what you really see, when you get by yourself, when you're all by your lonesome, and the lights are all out, and you are there by yourself, you and God... It's what you see then that's going to determine where you're going. And of course, uh, if you keep the Word in front of your eyes, then you're going to see yourself with what the Word says. You're going to see yourself having what God said you could have. I was blessed when uh, 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 last year... uh, there was, a, or earlier in the year, I was at the doctor for a checkup, and the nurse called me a young 65 years old. <laughs> well, when you get 65, you take all of those kind of compliments that you can get, but the point is, she was, she was saying, because she's, you know they ask you all these questions, and she was concluding that I was not there to complain and moan and groan and tell her how bad I was feeling and to tell her the uh, great number of, of medications I was on and all that kind of stuff, that was not what was going on. And uh, it's unusual, I, I seem to gather, very unusual for folks to, to uh, be my age or close and uh, you know, not have all kinds of trouble that they just go on about all the time. Now, I I know that's tough. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. Please understand. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to get you healed if you need healing. And I'm trying to keep you well if you need to be, uh, you know, you want to keep living and you want to live a great life. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not coming at it from the medical side. Thank God for all that they do. But what we find in this verse is that God's word is a medicine, to our flesh. As a matter of fact, in this very passage, it says the King James uses the word health, but the the Hebrew word is marpe, and it is translated elsewhere as medicine. That's what it means. So he says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. And by the way, inclining your ear to his sayings is more than just listening to somebody teach or preach. You need to hear you say the word. What do you hear you say? What do you hear you say when you're by yourself? What do you hear yourself say when you're talking to other people? It's important. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Remember those folks I was talking about. They wouldn't have had a Bible to carry around with them. They wouldn't have had an iPhone. They wouldn't have had a, uh, any kind of media type thing to use. So if they heard the word, they, most of the time they were going to have to speak it. And what they would be speaking would determine what they would be saying. So this verse deals with seeing and saying. Seeing and saying. If you can get those two things aligned with the Word of God and you can keep those two things consistent. And you can keep those two things forceful in your life. In other words, you're not just doing it every four days. But this becomes a part of your life, a daily part of your routine, seeing and saying from God's vantage point, then your life is going to change, and it's going to change to conform to what you're seeing and what you're saying. Amen. Amen. Keep the, and when you go through that process, you will keep the Word in the midst of your heart. You'll keep the Word in the midst of your heart. And he goes on then to say, For they are life unto those that find them. Here again is some information that tells us that it's probably not going to happen accidentally. You're going to have to do some work here. You're going to have to apply yourself, and you need to find these scriptures. Now, when we talk about these cards that we've got here, uh, thank God, some of these have already been found for us. That just makes it easier. But in a sense, I've got to make them mine. I've got to find that this is the will of God, find that this, you know, sometimes we use that term like uh, what, uh, you know, we, uh, a commission, let's say a governmental commission or something. They, uh, they're, they're, doing a, um, they're doing hearings on the, some kind of thing, you know, that they need to deal with some public issue. And so people come and report their findings, the, report the findings of the committee or whatever it might be. In other words, what did you find out? Well, let me ask you this question tonight. What in the Bible have you found where healing is concerned? What are your findings on this subject? Have you found enough evidence to convince yourself? Which means you've found enough evidence till this has become a conviction. Convinced a conviction. You know, that's what happens in a court of law when someone's Convicted, that means there was enough evidence presented to convince the jury. The jury became convinced of their guilt, and so they reported their findings, and that person became convicted. And we put them in prison, and we call them a what? A convict. Are you a convict to the good things of God? Are you convinced of the things of God? You will never be convinced in this way, in this powerful way that will heal you and will keep you well. You'll never be convinced this way unless you attend to his words, incline your ear to his sayings, and don't let them depart from your eyes. And then by keeping them in the midst of your heart, they will be life to you and health or medicine to all your flesh. So you see that's just one one part of this little card. That's just three verses from Proverbs chapter 4. But when you start meditating it that way, and that's really what we're doing, we're just kind of public meditation here. You know, we don't have to know every Hebrew word or every Greek word. We don't have to you know run 14 references just to see some really great truth right here. Can you say amen? Now, the next three verses, the next three verses uh, are found, well, actually more than three verses, but the next three passages uh, include Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, and 1 Peter 2 and 24. Now, the reason I mention these together is because these three verses are the three verses on the list that deal with healing in the redemption. Or sometimes people use the term atonement. Almost all, I, as far as I know, all classical Pentecostal denominations have as one of their tenets of faith, and part of, their, of what they believe is that healing is provided for all in the atonement. Usually that's the, the way that it's worded in most of the older uh, Pentecostal Uh, statements of faith we believe that divine healing is provided for all in the atonement and what they mean by that is that it's God's will to heal everyone that it's his will to save and I want to tell you that's the truth that's the absolute truth and uh, we could stay here for weeks but we won't stay here for weeks on this particular aspect of it and we've taught on this before in various ways but looking at these verses we'll just kind of take an overview for just a little bit and I think you can understand and see why these three passages would be so important for you to memorize and when we get to the Matthew 8 16 and 17 I'm going to quote verse both both verses in full this shows the little dot 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 meaning there's some words left out I always like to quote it uh, in full most all the time And so let's start in Isaiah 53, 4, and go down through these. Surely he has borne our griefs, and I usually like to say sicknesses and diseases. As a matter of fact, I do have to stop right from the beginning. This would, based on Matthew 8, 16 and 17, the English translation would be more accurate to say, surely he hath borne our sicknesses and griefs, rather than griefs being the first word, because that's how the Holy Ghost is going to interpret it through Matthew when, when, uh, when we find it in the book of Matthew. And so surely he hath borne our griefs and sicknesses and diseases and carried, and born there is the Greek word nasa, i I'm sorry, the Hebrew word nasa. And so we have, an organi- we have this outfit in the federal government called NASA, National Aeronautics and Space Administration. I think somebody must have been a Bible reader way back there, many years ago when they called it that, because this Hebrew word, NASA, is, is the word for born, and it means to lift off. Just a little tidbit, history and the and Hebrew as well. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but you can look it up. Uh, that's what the word means. Surely he has lifted our sicknesses and carried, the word carried there means to carry away. That's the same idea, the same, actually the same word used here in Isaiah 53 that was used in describing what's called the scapegoat. Those of you who are students in the old testament you know about the scapegoat how that the high priest would once a year lay his hands on the scapegoat and confess the sins of israel and then the scapegoat was sent out outside the camp and to go into the wilderness and of course he would be destroyed and and he was in essence uh making an uh, an appeasement if you will in a sense and carrying the sins of the people away all of that was a type of christ that was a type of jesus And Jesus bore our sins away. But here we see uh, in just a moment that that this is also in regards to sicknesses and diseases. Thank God. Hallelujah. And so he has borne our sicknesses and carried away our pains. And then he begins to describe what we would have thought and what people did think when they saw Jesus on the cross. Yet we did esteem him stricken. Smitten of God and afflicted. People thought, well, he's messed up now. God's really upset with him. Of course, we know what was going on, which, by the way, we wouldn't know if we didn't have the epistles. Amen. If all we had was the four gospels and we didn't have the epistles, we would not understand the fullness of what happened even at the cross. We would have had a picture of the cross, but we wouldn't have had an x ray. We wouldn't have seen what was really going on. People who stood around the cross, they they thought Jesus. You know, some people thought that he was being afflicted by God, that this was punishment by God upon him, and and in a sense of speaking, it was punishment for our sins. But they thought it was something to do uh, with his failure. But he had no failures. He had no sin. He had committed no sin. He knew no sin. He became sin with our sins, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that we could be made the righteousness of God in Him. And so uh, these people stood around and they wouldn't have known what had happened. And you remember Jesus told His disciples, He said, when the Spirit of truth is come, He'll guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He hear." Here's that, shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And he also said, I have many things to say unto you, but you can't bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth. Well, the epistles are those things that Jesus wanted to say, but the disciples weren't ready to hear. But once they became acquainted with the Holy Spirit, full of the Spirit, once they were born again and filled with the Holy Ghost then revelation could come on a a greater level. And that's what the epistles are about. Those things that Jesus took with him to heaven in his ascension came that, that revelation information of what this has all been happening and why it's happened and what it's all about. All that came back to us in the information that came, revelation information from the Holy Spirit through the writers of the New Testament. And so that's why we live most of our Christian lives, I hope you do, in the epistles, because those are letters to you. You know, what would, what would you think if your spouse, you came home one day and they had all this stuff out on, the, on a table and they were sitting there reading and they were love letters from their old boyfriend, love letters from their old girlfriend, you'd think Something's just not right here, because we've been married for 40 years, and why did they save these letters from their ex-girlfriend? Wouldn't that be funny? I mean, not funny, it'd be strange, wouldn't it? Something's wrong here. Well, when you read the epistles, you're reading letters to you, not somebody else. You are the recipient of that kind of revelation and insight. And I want to say something here that maybe 10 years ago or 15, 20 years ago, I probably would not have even thought of, and I probably wouldn't even need to say it. But nowadays, it needs to be said. And here it is. There is no contradiction between Paul and James and John and Peter and the Lord Jesus Christ. There are people today that are saying, well, Jesus didn't say that. And because it's a subject maybe that Jesus did not specifically address in a specific way in his earthly ministry. But yet it's addressed in the epistles. People say, well, I'm, going to, choose to, I'm also going to choose to go with Jesus and I'm going to forget about what Paul said. I'm going to forget about what James said. Or I'm going to forget about what John said. That is baloney. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. There is no argument or contradiction between what Jesus taught and what Paul taught or James or John or Peter or any, Jude or any of those guys. There is no contradiction. So when you get to Romans 1, yes, yes, It means what it says, and it's the Word of God. Romans 1 is as much the Scripture as John 3 is Scripture. And 3 John verse 2 is as much inspired Scripture as John 3.16. This picking and choosing business to try to suit your pet doctrine or to accommodate your favorite sin is a dangerous road to go down. God's right. I think about that song. I know the Bible is right and somebody's wrong. Amen. I could sing two or three verses of it for you. I like it. But uh, I'll, I'll go on. I really could, I couldn't sing it the way it ought to be sung. But anyway, I could try to sing it. Um, But the Bible is right. And he goes on to tell us, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. In other words, that's why the punishment was there. It was our transgressions. It was our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Healed. And we know around here, That when you get born again, you don't get your spirit healed. The old man dies and you get a brand new man. You're made a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old man didn't get healed, you were made new. So healing in these kinds of passages, dealing with redemption, they mean healed even physically in your body. Now I know we're not going to live on the earth forever. I don't want to live on this earth forever. Amen. Amen. The longer you live, the more you realize that there there eventually comes a point when there's more people over there that you that you have been close to and know than there are here. Yeah. You know you may have many, many acquaintances, but all of us really have a relatively small group of friends, uh, and so uh, you realize that that uh, you know somebody said, well, you know maybe they want to live to be hundred and fifty or whatever i." I just, I don't think so. So I'm not seeing it and I'm not saying it. But I am going to live long. And since I'm just in late midlife, I'm not there. So um, I'm going to live long because you know you're not old until you're 70. And that's no offense to anybody over 70 because I'm, I'm going to get there. Uh, but, but I'm going to live long, I'm going to live strong, and I'm going to live well. And I'm going to live until I'm satisfied. And I don't think it'll take 150 years for me to get satisfied. And anybody that has to look at me would be happy that it don't, praise the Lord. (laughs) Oh, glory, glory, glory. Anyway, he says, with his stripes, his bruises, because that's what that means, uh, the bruise. And what is a bruise? It's blood. Under the skin. So this is a blood scripture. A redemption scripture. Now Matthew 8, 16 and 17 says, And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet Saying, And so he's referring back to this, these verses we just read, Isaiah 53, 4, and 5. That it might be fulfilled. What? That it might be fulfilled. Cast out the spirits with his word and heal all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself, took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. I want you to underline that last part. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That is the Holy Ghost inspiring Matthew to write the Holy Ghost's own interpretation of Isaiah chapter 53. Another reason why we know that he's dealing with not only our sins, but our sicknesses and diseases. Now, I know that we talk about them in two different aspects, and they are two different things, but what I want you to know is the same redemption took care of all of it. It took care of all of it, praise the Lord. Then First Peter two twenty four. he looking back uh, on what he had seen at Calvary, what he had seen in the ministry of Jesus, and what he knew of the Word of God, he said, who his own self, and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit most of all, he said, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live into righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed is where past tense, present tense, future tense past Past. so if God says you were then you must be right now if you were if we were then I am let's say that together if we were then I am let's say it again if we were then I am aren't you glad you know that? Can you just imagine that there are millions of people on this planet that have never made that statement? They don't know that that's a part of redemption. They don't know it's available. Aren't you glad you do? Aren't you glad your faith is being built in truths that will affect you physically as well as spiritually? Because you see, the Word of God is life unto those that find them and medicine to all your flesh. So if you take enough medicine long enough, if you take enough quantity and you take it long enough, it'll heal you. Yeah, good news. It'll heal you. It'll change your body. It'll change your physical situation. It'll change your physical uh, circumstances until you will have what the word says is yours. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not perfected at this. I don't, I've never met anybody yet that was totally perfected at it. But I tell you, the more I work on it, the better it works. Hallelujah. And it's worked quite well for a long, long time, and I just don't intend to quit. Amen? Now, we believe in the laying on of hands. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in anointing with oil. We believe uh, in, in various ways that, that God manifests to heal the sick. We know that there are various ways he does it. And various ways that people have touched the power of God. We've already studied that somewhat in this series. But I'm telling you that even if there's no preacher around to lay hands on you, if there's no healing meeting to get to, if you're between services at your local church, uh, if there's nobody else around but you, you can take this word and keep it before your eyes, keep it in the midst of your heart, continually hear it, and faith will come that will activate the power of God right where you are in your situation, and there's nothing that can't be healed, fixed, or changed with the power of the word of God. Amen? Amen. So if I were you and I didn't have these, I'd get them. And I'd begin to use them every day. And when I wore out this card, I'd get the next. Until you can walk through your house and quote every one of them. You say, well, I'm too old for that. No, if I can do it, you can. If it's in your heart, it'll come out your mouth. Amen. Amen. Many, many years ago now, a tragic accident happened in the Canary Islands. There was a collision, some of you may be able to remember it, if you have any interest in aviation stuff, you may remember. Um, trying to think of the name of the place. We actually met some people who were living there when we were on the trip to India, coming back uh, the Canary Islands, whatever the capital is, there, the uh, airport there. There was a collision of two 747s, and many people died. It was horrible, one of the worst air accidents in history. And they did, this is, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was in the 70s, and they did have uh, cockpit recorders even then. And some of the last words recorded of one of the pilots on that 747 was, was cursing. Do you know that when you're in a bind or when you're in trouble, when you're in pain, when you get slapped, if you will, with a, with a bad diagnosis or a bad report, as we call it, do you know that whatever's in your heart is what's going to come out? You need to think about that. You need to think about that. Because if you keep putting this word in, even when it seems like you don't need it, I mean, we always really do need it, but if you keep putting it in when there's no emergency when it doesn't seem so urgent, if you keep putting this word in, then when you need it, it'll come out. Because from the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Father, I thank you for your precious word. I thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us to learn at least enough to know that we can store this word in our heart. We can put it there. And not only put it there so that we might not sin against you, but to put it in there so that it will come out as we live our lives, and especially when we're in times of need. So Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts, that nobody would take offense at these truths, but that we would all do an honest self-examination and see any adjustments that we need to make. And especially when we're fighting a battle that we would increase our dosage of God's medicine. I just thank you, Lord, for revelation. I've delivered what I believe that you want me to deliver for this moment, this this time, this night. I just have to trust you with the rest, Lord. May the good seed fall into good soil and produce an abundant good harvest. In Jesus' name. And everybody said,